Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor. And each week, my friends and I will be talking about the latest hot topics in the world of property and property investment. In this panel show episode, we're talking property finance. And to help us out, we're joined by experienced mortgage broker, Emma Faulkner from Every Mortgage Solution. Emma gives us the inside track on how to package the perfect application when you're just starting out and gives us some unique insights into what the lenders are looking for and how to get the best of advice from your mortgage broker. We've got so much to cover in this episode, so let's dive straight in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this special panel show episode of the podcast uh, in which we're going to be talking all things property finance. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Caroline Clayden and James D'Souza. How are you doing, guys? Good to, Good to see you again. Good to see you too. And as always on the panel show episodes, we come with backup. Uh, so we are joined today by Emma Faulkner from Every, Every Mortgage Solution. Hi, Emma. Thanks for taking Hi. time out of your, your busy schedule to join us today. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good. No, no, it's, it's going to be, uh, this is going to be a, a really interesting episode. And I think, and I would imagine something that we're going to need to revisit on subsequent panel shows, because it's such a, a vast area, kind of property finance and everything that goes along with that. So I think it probably makes sense uh, today, guys, to focus more around kind of people just starting out on their investment journey. You know, what do they need to know? What do they need to have in place in order to um, start in making safe and sensible investments in property? So, um, so Emma, just to kick things off, what what do you think are some of the things that uh, somebody investing in property for the first time needs to have in place? Uh, to, to, to have almost that sort of per- perfect package for, for their first application for investment finance? Well, I think the, the key thing to remember is that you're approaching a lender to borrow a large amount of money. So you have to make yourself look as an attractive proposition as you possibly can. Um, when you're first starting out, your deposit is going to be a, a huge weight on that because the more deposit you have, you're reducing the risk for the lender. Um, there's there's other aspects to it as well, the type of properties that you're looking at to make sure that they are safe security for a lender, uh, they're mortgageable, they're rentable, um, and more importantly, they're saleable. Um, yeah. So typically, when you're looking at properties, don't go and buy something that hasn't got a kitchen or a bathroom because that's neither rentable nor mortgageable. So you, you, you're looking at a completely different type of finance. But, but because those are fixable problems, Emma, I guess it would be OK to buy that and then be able to put the kitchen and bathroom in and then get a mortgage on that at a later date. Yeah. Now, the the interesting thing about that is to remember that most lenders are looking for you to have property ownership for six months. So if you're taking a bridge, for example, or a property development finance or investor finance, be mindful that you're going to be open up to more lenders if you're not looking to refinance for six months. Yeah. Now, saying that, there are lenders that will do what's called a day one remortgage. So say you went in, you've got the work done within a month and you're ready to refinance and pull your money back out to move on to the next project. That's fine, but you would need to show that lender that you've added value. Yeah, 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 yeah. And would, so, would they say, oh, you go, Caroline. No, I was, I was, you carry on this and then I'll ask my next question. <laughs> 
will they send will they want to send a surveyor out to come and inspect that um yeah. if, if it, yeah yeah so um typically with investment properties uh you are looking at a physical valuation mm. um because they're trying to establish the bricks and mortar value as well as the rental value with residential that's slightly different a lot of lenders are still doing desktop or automated valuation models um but if you've done work you really want the valuer to come back out and see what you've done. When when our students start out, they get quite, they're a bit like kiddies in a city shop. They go out there and start looking at everything, right? And then they see something cheap. So they think bargain, deal yeah. of the century. But it's probably cheap because the lending is a challenge. So non-standard yeah. construction or uninhabitable or above or beside a commercial unit. So it limits the number of lenders. Um, you talked about making yourself look as as attractive as possible. So you said size of deposit as one thing. Now that's going to freak out some people because they're going to think, well, I've got no deposit. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, what other elements are important? I'm assuming credit score is in there. Credit score, right. So credit score is a really good one to bring up because um, we've had very challenging times and yep. some people may have blips on their credit file. The most important thing that a new investor can do is work on their credit file. Yeah. So no lender likes to see that that is your CV to lending. So if you have any blips like you've missed a mortgage payment, no lender's going to lend to you uh, within a, uh, within a 12 months of that missed payment. Yeah. Um, make sure you're on the voters roll. It's, it's a simple thing to do, but yeah. you, ne you need to have a presence and you need to look like a viable option. Mm -hmm. If you don't exist from a council's point of view, they're, they're, they're lending to a stranger. Yeah. Um, defaults, missed payments, yeah. just really try and clean up your credit file. Over, over indebtedness as well is a key factor. So I have clients that come on and say, I've never missed a payment. I'm in a really strong position. But if they're over indebted, what I mean by that um, is if, say, they have £40,000 worth of available credit on a credit card and every month they're at 39 and a half, they're over indebted. So yeah. they're not clearing from from the perspective of a lender. They're not clearing the debt that they have. They're living to it. Yeah. Yeah, so, we call that ratio, don't we, James? When we're debt, speaking yeah, debt ratio. So if the yeah. ratio is low and if if that's decreasing every month, is that yeah. okay? So even if there was £40,000 worth of debt, if you've got £80,000 of available credit, could that potentially still be a problem or is that looking a bit better? No, 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 that, that's that's fine because you're not you're not using all the all the credit mm. that's available to you. Yeah. Um, so, But then on the flip side of that, somebody that has no credit... Um, won't give a picture to a lender either. So somebody that has no has never had a mortgage, has never had a credit card, they're basically verified by their voters' role alone. Mm. The lender's going to look and say, well, there's no proof that they can actually repay a debt. Mm. So it's also important that they have a credit presence, but they're not using it to its maximum. It's probably worth pointing out though Emma and you can guide us on this the difference between going for a residential mortgage for you to live in versus yeah. an investment mortgage they're very different species I call them yeah. in the mortgage market yeah. um, you talked about the debt ratio there uh, when it comes to the residential side 
it's yeah. a totally different outlook, isn't it, than what we've just no, said? No, they, they, they will still look at over-indebtedness. So when you're looking, a residential mortgage is um, that is fully regulated. So it's regulated by the FCA, and that is the key difference. So with that, the individual applying for the mortgage is, um, is, is under the microscope. Yeah. So if they've got debt that they're not repaying, the lender will assume that is continued and it will be treated as an expense against what they can afford. Yeah. So it will have an impact on how much they can borrow. Yeah. I remember when I went for my residential mortgage, I had lots of credit cards, no debt in any of them, and they rejected me on the basis that I could use them. <laughs> it's like, okay. oh, all right. You know, so, um, yeah. depending on their attitude, they can go a bit crazy, right? Just in case. Well, they're lending money. They can do what they like at the end of the day. So there's no there's no set uh, packaging. There's no set rules with any of these lenders. If it gets to an underwriter that is just a little bit uncomfortable, um, yeah. they just say no. So and and it's very very frustrating. But that very that doesn't you know. I'm every mortgage solution for a reason. There's always somebody out there that will lend, but it's will package it according to that lender, what they're looking for. Brilliant. Because equally, lenders can, as part of the mortgage conditions, they can ask you to repay or pay down a certain amount of your existing debt can't they you know yeah. and that's i guess particularly relevant when people are thinking about refinancing you know we yeah. might think well it's great i can put you know a light refurb on a credit card or whatever it might be thinking i've got i can just now bounce that around different credit cards over the next few years but you may find that on the refinance the mortgage company come back and say well we'll lend to you but we want to see that card paid off correct yeah. correct yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so is it go on you go it's just it's just being very mindful that you're putting a proposition to a lender to give them enough faith and trust in lending you money. Yeah. And, and I think if, if you have that in mind, with it, whether you're starting out, you're midway through, you're finishing up, that you, if somebody came to you and asked for money, you're going to ask lots of questions. You're going to want proof maybe of some of those questions being, uh, being, that are being answered. But you're equally you, you you want your money back. Yeah. No so, lender wants to go through repossession. It's yeah. costly for yeah. them, and it's it, it and it's very bad press for them. Yeah. 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 So we we often talk to um, students and mentees about uh, starting out in property, and we talk a lot about starting with the end in mind. Yeah. So you know. I guess one of the first questions or one of the th things you're going to want to know from somebody that approaches you about lending is what what are you planning to do with the property? You know, what what's yes. what's your exit? You know, where do we go from here? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And that from a residential point of view, that's that's really important because that helps you to establish the term of the mortgage. Yeah. And uh, more importantly, um, at, with investment as well, it helps you to establish what kind of rate you're going to offer them, whether you're going to offer them a two-year fixed because they intend to keep the property for two years or a five-year fixed, it, it will very much determine the advice. Um, yeah. If somebody tells me, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this place up and then sell it within a year, yeah. I'm looking for a variable product because otherwise, if you take anything uh, with a fixed product, you're going to have early repayment charges. And on a two-year fixed, they could be 2% of the amount you've borrowed. Yeah, yeah. 
And lenders want you to use a product that's appropriate for what your intent is. And that's always the key word when we're talking about tax, what's your intention? And I guess yeah. the same with lending as well. What is your intention with yeah. that property? Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing to add, as we've touched on rates, is that with investment properties, if the client takes a five-year fixed rate, they're going to get more borrowing. Yeah. Um, because the lender knows what the cost is to that client for five years minimum. Yeah. So if you're, if you're looking at a property to, to start off and you're going to rent it, always look at the five-year option. If, if you're building a portfolio and you have no intention of selling that house, because that's going to get you more upfront money. Okay, nice. So what yeah. about ownership then? Because lots of people have assumptions, particularly when they, they meet James and I and, and Mark um, at the initial stages, they think, I can't get investment mortgages because I'm not a homeowner. Talk us through that. Okay, so um, homeowner is desirable for the majority of lenders, not all of them. Yeah. Um, so y you don't have to be a homeowner. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you're not a homeowner, you have to be able to prove that you've got um, somewhere to live. Um, so it's so if you're living with parents, that's fine. If you're renting, that's fine. But the, the lender will look at, at somebody who's not a homeowner and think, are they getting a buy to let mortgage here? for somewhere for them to live in, ah, which they are absolutely not allowed to do. I right. didn't realise that was the reasoning behind it. Yes, yeah, because with a buy-to-let mortgage or investment mortgage, the main uh, underwriting factor there is the property. Mm. So you don't have to have an income um, to, to get a buy-to-let mortgage. Um, so the lender's thinking, well, hold on a minute. If you've got somebody that has no income, um, doesn't have their own residence, say they're living with a friend up the road, what's the chances of them actually moving yeah. into this house and breaching their mortgage contract? Yeah. Hi. So if if the investment property is, let's say, 200 miles away from the the uh, applicant's kind of home address where they live, will they just immediately assume, oh, they're, they're going to rent that out? We, they yeah, can understand yeah, I mean, that that's a... It's all about painting the picture. Mm. So yeah. the picture there is it's not likely that he's going to live in it because it's 200 miles away. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got tenants lined up, then that shows a certain amount of um, intent. Um, if you've got an existing AST, that's intent because that might have another 12 months to run or six months to run. Um, yeah. So it, it's if you're sort of out in the cold and you've got like, it, it's you know, it's very likely. If, if I have a client come on to me and they paint a picture, I know, I know what their intent is mm. by the question, by the answers they give um you, you know so and and, and, it, and it's really really important because if you breach your mortgage contract and on an investment um uh offer that's very clear neither you nor your relatives can live in that property if yeah. you're found to be breaching that they 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 can ask for the money back um and if the money doesn't come back then you know they, they can take it all the way if they want yeah yeah, and then validates your insurance as well, right? Yeah, because you'll have residential insurance on it rather than landlord's insurance. Does that blacklist um, you from future mortgages as well? Oh, no, uh, because I'll have a, a, a very good audit trial. And if yeah. I feel that somebody is going to do that, I won't take the case on. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's not really necessary to do that because, uh, well, I guess it is necessary if you want somewhere to live. But if, if, if your motive is, for investment 
You don't have to have an income. You don't have to be a homeowner. There's lenders out there that will do it. We can do it the 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 truthful way. And yeah. that's always the best way to get the lending. Well, let's flip that on its head because in actual fact, the people that have always tried to ask me questions about what they can and can't do in the grey area, right. it's more likely they take out a residential mortgage, which requires a much smaller deposit, and mm -hmm. then rent that out without the okay. consent letter, right? Well, but they, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, we, 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 yeah, it's out there, isn't it? But I mean, getting a consent to let from most most lenders, provided you've had ownership for six months, yeah. six months is a is a key period with a lot of what we're going to talk about. If they've had ownership for six months and they apply for a consent to let, there's very few lenders that will say no to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that is different. You're not breaching mortgage contract by doing that because you're asking permission. You must ask permission. Um, and, and, and and don't be scared to because it's, you know, the, the lenders are geared up to do that. They might only give you it for a period of, say, six months yeah. um, and then insist that it's it's put onto a buy to let. But it probably yeah. fits your circumstance to do that then anyway. So, yeah. In the good old days, people used to be scared to tell the lender because they didn't yeah. want to clear the tax on the income. <laughs> but yeah. all yeah. that's changed now, right? It's so, so yeah. transparent now. HMRC watching, and the and 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 the tax on the income is is unavoidable. Really, there's lots of routes um, that that you can that that can be if that doesn't come from the lender always. So exactly. just declare the tax, just do it. <laughs> Factor it into your figures, and you know, death and tax is something that's going to happen. <laughs> A lot of our students are wanting to buy kind of. Dirty, horrible, smelly houses, basically. Uh, right. Get them renovated, get them uh, rented out. So some you, you were saying get it, have an AST uh, ready to go before you've even bought the property. But most properties that, that our students are looking to buy, they're going to need some element of, of a refurbishment. Yeah. Where does a lender draw the line on how much work needs to be done as to as to when they will or won't lend? Um, it, go, it goes back to the initial point that it has to be mortgageable, it has to be rentable, and it has to be saleable. So if you've got somewhere, you, you always have to have a kitchen and a bathroom in it. It might not be a kitchen and a bathroom that you and I would desire to live, to live in, but so long as it's there and it's functional, um, if, it's, if it's a case of redecoration, then the lender will you know, look past that. Um, a key point with the lending, and particular, particularly investment, is the EPC rating. So the energy performance certificate. So the, there are very strict guidelines with regards to landlords that you have to have uh, an EPC rating. I wish I hadn't started. C, C or above? I think it's D. E. D or above. D yeah. or above. Um, I, I, I so wish I hadn't brought that. But um, yeah, so <laughs> the EPC rating is a key because sometimes if you've got somewhere, somewhere in a really run down state, the energy performance will be something that suffered. Yeah. So, so just, in that just scenario, if if it is if, if it is dirty, smelly, as James says, it's yeah, more with a, buy, buy with a bridge and then refinance six months later once it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, the the good thing about a bridge, well, the, the pros and cons of a bridge are bridging is very costly. Yeah. Um, it can be quite stressful because obviously you've you've got a term and you've got to get out of it within that. However. If you bridge to purchase somewhere, so if you bridge to refurb, for example, there are products specifically for that. Yeah. Um, so provided you you can you spend the money, even if it's a redecoration, 
uh, and maybe new kitchen doors or something like that, you'll be able to refinance that out of a bridge. But just be mindful that, um, you know, dirty, smelly isn't a problem. All those things can be cleaned and, and the valuer, it might detract from the value, but the valuer should see past them. Mm. Um, you know, people buy houses that, you know, they, they replace the carpets. That, that kind of thing is, is cosmetic. It's the fabric of the building. So if there's anything fabric about the building, um, for example, you know, as I've said, the kitchens, the bathrooms have to exist. So if from day one they could send cleaners in and then put a tenant in there, that's fine for a lender. But it, it might it might affect the valuation figure that's given. OK, so let's now talk about investment products in your own name versus limited company, because a lot okay. of our students... They're like, should I buy in my own name? Should I buy in a limited company? Clearly, that's a, a more tax-driven uh, question. On the lending side, from yeah. a broker's point of view, what would you be talking to your clients about when it comes to those two options? Okay. So um, limited company purchases and personal purchases, if you went back three years, the landscape for those were the massively different because obviously the dividend tax changed yeah. so you, you you had free uh, free allowance up to 30,000 um and and you did, it, it it made sense to buy it in a limited company because you can uh, pull the income out and you've got loads of allowances um so you're saving tax that landscape's changed now because there's no free allowance on your dividend tax your 38% is your highest rate so it's not as attractive. And what you have to remember from a lender's point of view is that um, a lender will underwrite that a limited company on the directors. Yeah. So pretty much the same as buying it personally. Um, saying that, limited company is a good route if you want to create a portfolio. Um, it, it still is an attractive route because you still, even if you're at the top rate of tax of 38%, you're still saving 2%. Yeah. It's, it's the clause 24 side of things as well, that people want to make their mortgage interest tax deductible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, there's a lot more costs you can put through mm. with a limited company than you can with a personal mortgage. Um, the key thing with the lender is the lender rates are more attractive if you buy personally. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not quoting anybody in particular here, but for, to give you an example, there can be as much as one and a half percent difference yeah. in interest rates between a limited company purchase and a personal yeah. per purchase. But yeah. the fundamentally, the way the, that the, the, um, it's underwritten, yes, it's underwritten on the company, but that could be a day one uh, special purpose vehicle that literally was set up yesterday and you're buying a house in it today. You don't need to have that company for a specific period of time. But the, the directors underneath it are the ones that will come under scrutiny. Yeah. I think some people thought, well, if it's in a limited company and it all goes wrong. Yeah. I, I can run away. <laughs> no, no, no. Not when it comes to property lending in that company. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad, glad you've That's cleared that up. And so I the directors will be vetted in the same way as if they were buying it in their own name. So we, it comes back to then the whole, well, you know, are you going to be living in it? Are you, you know, what's your, yeah. what's your debt, um, debt ratio and, and things like that. They're going to start looking at that, even yeah. if you're buying it through a company. 
Yeah, so they can, they're going to look at the director's credit files. They're going to look at um, the their 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 home ownership. Um, not so big a deal with a limited company, um, but they'll still look at it. They'll look at income. Um, so it's, it's fundamentally it's underwritten in the same way as an individual application. Yeah. Um, the other thing to bear in mind, like the landscape of limited company purchases, may change again if the if the chancellor is going to cripple corporation tax because you know then it, it's just going to knock it out of the park mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah we want to obviously keep the advice and 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 the stuff we're talking about on this episode as evergreen as possible which i know is really difficult because you know lending changes you know day by day um yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but on that as well, you know, and I know this could almost be a, a separate episode all in itself. So um, what, has, what has COVID done to lending products? I don't necessarily mean, you know, for a full market analysis. I'm just talking about are there things that the lenders are looking for now or asking us mm. about when we make a mortgage application that obviously they weren't asking for pre-COVID? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and COVID is, is going to be around for a long time. And these these questions are going to be asked for a, a long time. Um, mm. And it's all about painting the picture again. So the typical things that a lender will be asking are, have you had any payment holidays on any form of credit? Um, have you taken any bounce back loans if you're a limited company? Have you taken the self-employed uh, grants? Um, and are you furloughed? Mm. Um, all, of those, all of those schemes were designed to offer assistance because you were struggling. So why would a lender lend you if you've already admitted you're struggling and have taken money to support you for that? So if you took the self-employed grant, for example, the first one, and you haven't taken it since, that's a, that's a different thing. That's like, I initially struggled, but I'm, I'm sorted now, I'm fine. Confidence is restored. I was on furlough, but I came off furlough on the 1st of January. There's my first month's payslip showing that I'm off furlough. Again, confidence is restored. Bounce back loans, yeah, the, the, the jury's out on those a bit because some lenders are, yeah, it, it, the money was offered with 12 months free, uh, 12 months of no interest. Yeah, most people are, are going to look at it, but they probably will look a bit deeper into your accounts, will ask for six months bank statements to see what you did with that bounce back loan. Yeah. The, the key is all these government schemes were to assist people that were struggling. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the schemes have potentially been um, abused a little bit. I don't, that might be uh, um, confrontational. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it, and that's and that's what they're looking for is the picture of the person again. Yeah. So on that. But saying that, bounce back loans can also be a positive thing. So, you know, I had a client who used a bounce back loan to buy stock because she was so busy. Mm. We could prove that. That was absolutely fine. Yeah. So she wasn't struggling, but she was struggling to keep up. Yeah. yeah. And therefore yeah. it added value to her business. So that that's fine. That's fine. But you just, you've got to be mindful that, um, as I said at the beginning, you're asking the lender to lend you money. But then, then on the other hand, you're saying, oh, but I'm really struggling because I've, mm. I've taken all of the self-employed uh, income grants. I've taken holidays on every all my secured credit. Oh, and I'm on furlough. Yeah. yeah well, we're not going to make that situation worse. And nor should they. 
Yeah. I think some people in the initial stages when all the buzz of bounce back loans was out there, and then buy a property and it's like, yeah. 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 So I guess lenders will be looking quite closely at where deposit funds are coming because some people use, you know, creative routes to, to raise that money. Talk us about that, sorry, sorry, um, I get, I go on with Yeah, it. go for um, it, go for it. Deposit is a really good point to bring up. So um, your deposit has to um, take into account money laundering. So yeah. your solicitor will want to a full audit trail of where that those deposit funds have come. Your lender will as well. So typically, if your uh, parents have given you the money, that's fine. They will have to do a gifted deposit to yeah. say that that... Um, uh, that gift is not is uh, without condition. No charge will be taken on the property, and it's not expected to be repaid. That's yeah. what a lender is looking for. If it is expected to be repaid, it'll be factored into the affordability yeah. of future loan payments. Um, if your deposits come from savings, that's that's absolutely fine. Uh, I'm I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't get away with your deposit coming from a bounce back loan, although it it would possibly be. Uh, presented that it's come as a loan from your business um, which yeah because the bounce back loan will have gone into the business so you've taken a director's loan out that's going to have to be repaid within the financial year yeah. so they're, they're going to factor that in for affordability yeah talk us through the rent coverage because what's <laughs> What's great about investment mortgages is they look at you as a credit worthy person. So again, what's yeah. bad, you don't need to be a housing owner. You don't necessarily even need to have income, which will blow yeah. a lot of people's minds because that used to be the case. You need to earn yeah. 25 day, you need to be a owner. Yeah. And then, so they look at you as a credit worthy person and then they look at the property as a business. Can it self-sustain itself? Uh, so talk us through that minefield of the rent coverage that people okay. start to look at. So with your investment properties, um, as I say, the um, the security is the main point of focus for a lender. It's not the only point of focus, but it's the main point. So they're looking at the property uh, to, to be able to cover the rent in stressed situations. So when there's no rent coming in, when the yeah. interest rates are high. So... Yeah. And they, they differ depending on the applicant. So if the applicant's a higher rate taxpayer, the, the, the stress rate, they call it, is different. Yeah. To give you a blanket approach on this, and it's, you need to speak to somebody before, don't, don't take this as gospel and go away and start making offers. But the, the typical example would be a stress rate of 5.5%. Yeah. And then you're, you are um, expected to be able to cover anything up to 145% of that stressed mortgage payment. Yeah. So, so if your rent is £145, then your mortgage would have to be £100. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at 5.5%. Yes. Whether you're getting the mortgage at two and a half percent is irrelevant. The yeah. stress rate is the five and a half percent. With lower taxpayers, um, sometimes that is reduced to five percent with an uplift of 125. But I've given you the worst case scenario. Yeah, and it's a good thing that lenders do this, right? Responsible lending. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yep. uh, you know, with with investment, you may have uh, changeover periods before between tenants where you'll have a period where there's no rent coming in 
So um, what, what the lender is, is being responsible, although it's an unregulated product, if the client's never lived in that property, it's unregulated. So, so, but they still don't want to, if you've got a client with no income and the rent is just fitting on a stress and then all of a sudden the tenant's gone, how's that mortgage going to get paid? Yeah. They don't want the client to have to sell the properties. That's the key. They want them to keep building, keep creating a portfolio and creating an income and living happily ever after. Um, and what about the PRA rules that came in a few years ago? How did that affect kind of portfolio builders, people with investment properties, people looking to expand their portfolio? Mm, mm. So what does stand for, James? Uh, Prudential, Prudential Regulation Authority. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's regulatory, not regulation. Oh, but, um, um, I've got the first three letters right. <laughs> the, uh, the the portfolio landlord situation is um, such that if you've got uh, again a, a, a portfolio landlord is somebody that's got four or more properties. Yeah. So what a lender will do, the lender will stress the whole portfolio, uh, whether that's four or four hundred. They will look at the whole portfolio from a, uh, um, a, a debt ratio basis, and that can't be any more than 75% across the whole portfolio. So yeah. if you've got 10, 10 properties worth 100,000 100, each, then um, you're expected to have mortgages of less than 750,000. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Did I do yeah. the maths right? You did. Um, at the same time, they will then look at your mortgage payments as they stand, not stressed plus uh, less your um your rent less your mortgage payments and the difference between the two of those can must be more than 125 percent yeah as i say some lenders lenders stress it differently but that gives you a, a blanket answer mm. so um and and what you'll also find with portfolio landlords is that their rates will change yeah so they'll pay higher rates because they're a portfolio. So we never really recommend anybody to take out a loan to value if they're looking at investment mortgages of more than 75% because they're going to at yeah. some point probably get caught out by those. By yeah, those rules. absolutely. But um, you'll, you'll be hard fast to find a lender that is lending above 75%. Mm. That at one time, there was a lender that would go up to 80, 85, um, but you won't, you won't find those at the moment. Yeah, which is a good thing again. It's all yeah, positive. yeah, mm. yeah. And um, people ask me, I don't know if they ask you, whether interest only is best or repayment. Yes. Now, this, is a, this is a very personal view of mine. But the way that I look at it, it depends what kind of investor you are. So yeah. if you're buying um, to increase your portfolio, then interest only is going to maximise the, the difference between your outgoings and your income. And therefore, you're going to build up a deposit for your next one. Um, if you've kind of reached the pinnacle of your portfolio, um, I'd always look at repayment because for exactly that reason, you're going to gradually chip away at that 75%. And also, um, you, if, if the properties are tenanted, you're going to have tenants that are effectively paying your mortgage off for you. Yeah. It's as Mark said, isn't it? What's the intent? What's the end? Yeah, it's the end of yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Um, and Where are you in your life cycle? Where are you in your, your business? Yeah. How do you, so want as, to you want to get to? And as you switch from 
where cash flow is the priority when you're when you're starting out because you're trying to achieve your own sort of financial security and at that point you're maybe looking to switch more to sort of wealth creation yeah you know that's when you want to start to build your asset base isn't it by potentially switching to a to a repayment style mortgage yeah and the succession planning because one of my aims is to leave my boys as much debt as possible, mortgage debt, that is. I just need to keep alive until they're mortgageable, and then I can just start shifting it all into their name. That's, that's one of my goals. The interesting thing, succession. Yeah, the interesting thing is, however, that the majority of mortgages do allow a 10% repayment. So what that means is you can pay 10% of the capital owed per annum without penalty. Yeah, um, it's really important that it is per annum capital owed because once you've made that first repayment, the ca your capital owed has reduced, yeah. and therefore your ten percent is going to be less the following year. Yeah. Now, if you work on an overpayment basis, then that's optional to you. So you're not contractually in a repayment mortgage, but you're optionally making lump sum payments off your mortgages as and when you're able to. Yeah. And as and when your your future goal or your current goal changes, you you as Mark said, you you might switch to um, maximizing your income as your goal to actually reducing your debt in ten years time, and so that's an option to look at. But I, I is, is that standard in all mortgages? Yeah, well, yeah. the ones most part to lets. Yeah, 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 and residential. Mm. Yeah, certain lenders will let you do twenty percent. So if your rent increases, then, you know, three, four years down the line, if, if you don't need that excess cash flow, you could, if you wanted to, start thinking, oh, I can just use some of yeah. that to pay down. Yeah, build it up in, a, in your rental account. And then and then uh, when, you, when you've reached your limit and you don't want to buy any more properties, and you're trying to wind down, then start using your rental account and your, your tenants' money effectively to get rid of your debt. Nice. What about... Uh... So thinking back to people just starting out on their journey or investing for the first time, what advice yeah. would you have for them about working with a broker? So so what what's a good client for you? What's a not so good client? You know, what advice would you have for people in terms of, I know, you know, my advice always to people when they're starting out is full disclosure. You know, yeah. your broker's on your, your team, if you like. Mm. So the more you can make sure they're fully aware of your credit situation, everything like that, because ultimately it's only going to show up in the underwriting process. And it's the more your broker can be aware of those things from yeah, the beginning, absolutely. it's easier. But what, what's your take on that? Well, there's nothing more frustrating to me. I mean, every client is a good client to me. Um, and that sounds really cheesy, but it is because I don't know where my next client's coming from. So everyone is a good opportunity. Yeah. But the, the full disclosure is really, really important to your broker. Your broker is on your side. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I, might, I might sort of say to my clients, well, actually should have done that differently, but hey-ho, that's how it is now. Um, mm. But at the end of the day, there's nothing more frustrating than putting an application in with a client that said, oh, no, I've got no credit cards, I've, I've got no debt, and then bingo, all this debt comes up. So oh, I didn't think you needed to know about that. Well, yeah. I need to know to give you the correct advice and to put you with the right lender, your yeah. broker needs to know everything. Yeah. So if you've had a slight blip on your credit file two years ago, tell your broker that it's not embarrassing. I mean, there's hundreds of people out there have done it. 99% yeah. um, yes, of the time it's, it's, it's an error um, yeah. or, you know, an oversight. Um, but tell your broker because then your broker will channel will come back to the perfect packaging mm. of packaging with a, with a company where that's acceptable. 
yeah yeah but it's yeah and you can go it alone you can you can sit and troll through google if you want and um spend hours if you if you want you mean you, you, might, you might have a lot of time on your hands but um uh, you know obviously i'm i'm going to recommend using a broker because uh I, I you know sometimes i don't have to google stuff when brokers don't have to google stuff because they've done it over and over again they know where it's going to fit they know what it's going to look like um you're a, I'm a massive believer in knowledge is power and you've got the knowledge on what the lenders are looking for. So you yeah. can tell the lenders what they need to know about your client in order to get that application through. And I think that's really the power of the brokers, your yeah. skill expertise on how the how those lenders think and evaluate their potential customer. Yeah. yeah. That's where you yeah. come in. Absolutely. Um, and it's, but, you know, a, a, a big driving factor with people not using brokers are um, fees um yeah Easy. so it's fine there's plenty of brokers out there that don't charge fees um they will get paid they get paid by the lender what's called yeah. a procuration fee um but yeah don't yeah every every case is different um yeah. and that you know you don't have to go to a broker that's going to charge you some ridiculous upfront fee um if you can't afford it because you know that that fee is better put towards your deposit to make your case look better yeah, yeah. And it's and also are, the, yeah, plenty of fee-free brokers. But it's the lenders you have access to, isn't it? In the sense that, you know, there's 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 high street lenders, um, you know, which like you say, if if you've got the time or whatever, you can trawl through Google and and make that yeah. manual process for yourself. But yeah. equally, you know, you'll have access to lenders that you can actually have a conversation with, yeah. you know, about the specifics of the case, which, you know, that's gonna, you know, that's worth worth its weight in gold, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and also um, some some brokers will get exclusive rates with lenders. Yeah. Um, so there's one bank in particular, and it frustrates their in-house advisors no end because brokers can get better rates than they can sat in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and there are certain there are certain lenders that are only open to intermediaries anyway, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. the the predominant um, lender uh, for limited company buy to lets is only a broker mm. portal. Yeah. Um, but like Mark says, you know, we have um, we have annual um, talks with our business development managers. They check where we're at with regards to compliance, etc. Um, so you do have a relationship, and some relationships are, are, are better than others. Yeah. Um, and no application. Yeah. There might be a, a mortgage application that isn't particularly smooth, and there's some bumps in the road. And the more broker knows exactly the person within that lender to speak to to sort the problem out so it might be a surveyor under values because they've based on the wrong comparables or whatever and 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 that application can still actually go through when there's been rejections or bumps and that's the power behind paying a broker that i like could not stress with the you've brought up another really interesting fact there let's talk about surveyors okay so oh um, let's talk no 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 no. great i love them um we don't investors don't but this surveyors are are really important they're a vital part of any application and i always recommend um to my clients if they're remortgaging in particular do a valuation pack so oh, yeah, do yeah. their homework. They need to look for properties that have sold similar to theirs within a three-mile radius, five-mile radius maybe, um, that have sold, not for sale. Because they go like, oh, blah, don't, Joe up the road, she's selling her house for loads of money. 
And you think, yeah, yeah but she hasn't sold it yet. That so could be the investor's own property that they've uh, stuck yeah, on the market at an inflated yeah, price. Yeah, yeah. So just just put together a very simple pack, maybe work that you've done to the property, uh, what you bought it for, what it, what it, what the local rents are. If you've got it rented, include that figure in there. Um, and some, some three or four local comparables and hand that to the surveyor. He will, he will read it. He will read it because you've saved him quite a big chunk of his work. But um, yeah, don't go, don't go in, go into every valuation expecting it to be downvalued. Oh yeah, I always say that there's three people that to an investor that are going to cause you nightmares: surveyors, lenders, and lawyers, solicitors. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, for you, Emma, you have to deal with all three of them. So yes, yes, yes. solicitors. Mm. <sighs> Anyway, that's, that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. Good on stuff. The, on, this, on the solicitor's point and the legal point, I just want to add here that um, anybody thinking that they're going to buy before the stamp duty uh, current yeah. end date, yeah. forget it. No factor, way. Factor in the stamp duty. Um, allow for it. If, it. if it comes off, great bonus, but just factor it into your costs. Yeah. On that topic, a question that we are always asked as well is, why can't I buy, if it's a typical auction purchase, why can't I use a mortgage to buy it? Yeah, you can. It's you can? You, will yeah, will yeah. a mortgage go through in 28 days? Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a particular product for, for mm. auction purchases. Yeah. Um, typically, it would be done on a bridge that they yes. switch yes. to elect. But there, there are products out there specifically for auction purchases. The difficulty with an auction purchase is you don't know what the price is going to be. Hmm. So I know what the guide price is, but literally how how often does it come in at guide price? Never. I watch Hangs Under the Hammer. It never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. But you, can, you can get them and you just have to. But it, it, it wouldn't it. be a traditional buy-to-let mortgage no. as such. No. Yeah. No. It, It'll be something like a, a bridge to let. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so finance is available, but not at your kind of your standard two, yeah. three percent. And you know, anything, anything that's slightly unusual will ha will pack a, a, a large mm. fee. Just yeah. bear that in mind. Yeah. It, but with auction properties, it's all also worth approaching the auctioneer or the agent pre-auction. Um, quite often, they'll take a deal on it. You may have to cover the auction costs as part of the deal, but it's yeah. always worth a phone call. Yeah. 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 There's some lots of good it, deals. You know, it's the, the auction houses, we're, well, we're not sure this will actually sell. We don't know what our turnout's going to be on the day. So uh, let's let's look at their offer. And, mm. and if, provided they cover our costs and we're still making money, they may entertain it. Um, mm. And then you've got a bit more flexibility with the 28 days. Yeah. Brilliant. It's been right. great. Uh, thank you. Fantastic. Thank yeah, because it's such a such a vast topic. I can certainly see us revisiting this and uh, going yeah. into pretty much everything we've, we've spoken about in even more detail and covering more areas. But um, but there's some fantastic nuggets there, I think, for for everybody that's that's either thinking about investing in property or is, is just starting out on their journey. Um, some some really important stuff that, um, you know, we'll, we'll get them started in the right way and help them build the right foundation. It's important yeah, yeah. to put people's minds at ease because they're worried that finance is going to be the limiting factor for them and I'm not going to be able to get more. And it's just a preconception that they've made in their heads before actually even asking anybody. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. this will just put some people's minds at ease that think, actually, yes, I can do this.
And yeah. I think that's that's probably yeah. your your overarching message, isn't it, Emma? That, that there's always a solution. You know, there's always well, there's, a way around it. There's either a solution right now in a lot of cases, or we can set them on the right track and say, okay, you're almost there. Just add this to the to your CV if you like. Do this, do that on your credit file. You'll be there. So we can actually give them a very realistic timescale if they just talk to somebody. Love yeah. it. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much, Emma. That's been absolutely brilliant. Thank, thank you God. so much for your, your time yeah, and input. That's been me. absolutely brilliant. And uh, uh, we'll take care and uh, see you guys soon. I hope you found that episode useful. I know we really enjoyed recording it and there's lots more where that came from coming up in future panel shows. If you wanted to reach out to Emma, uh, you can do so by sending her an email to emma at everymortgagesolution.co.uk or find her on Facebook and LinkedIn at Emma Faulkner. Don't forget to catch our weekly interviews that air every Monday for some real life case studies of investors getting it done in the UK property market right now. And also our deal diary episodes, our bonus content in which experienced investors lift the lid on one of their very own deals so that you can walk the same well-trodden path. If you want to connect with myself, Caroline, James, and lots of other investors and property people, please head on over to the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. As always, don't forget to download and subscribe to the podcast. See you soon.